Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to talk to you tonight uh, a little little different subject than normal, but um, uh, but I want to talk to you about church culture, church culture. And when I say that, that, that you're, I don't know what your mind does, and you're probably going church culture. What's every, everything has a culture to it. Your job has a culture to it. Um, uh, how people respond to one another on the job. Something is set in the culture of your where you work or. Uh, even your neighborhood. I mean, everything has a culture. Your favorite restaurant you like to go to, you probably like to go to it and don't even know you like to go to it because you like the culture. You like the feel of it. And uh, there will go. there's places that I do not enjoy going to eat because I don't like the culture. I don't like what I feel there. I don't mean something spiritual. I'm just talking about I don't like the culture. I don't like the, and And... And so churches really are the same way. There are many kinds of church cultures that are, that are celebrated today, and I, and I think that's healthy. I think that's good. Um, and, and I think it's sometimes easy for us if you go to one particular church that we tend to kind of think that, that our culture is the best. And, and it, it is it is really really special because you go there and you chose there and and that it's a special and it, and it fits you and it and it's the right kind of culture for you but it's easy for us to get to thinking that if your culture is different than ours or whatever it may look like in that 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 automatically everybody else is wrong somehow when it comes to church we automatically well they're just wrong and I, I want to. Each church has their specific approach to music. Um, there are churches that uh, play completely different style of music than we play on Sunday. There are churches that are um, that play more gospel. There's churches that play more hymns. There's churches that play more modern music. There's churches that play um, uh, modern worship music. There's churches that I mean, it's all over the gamut. There's churches that sing the songs, same songs they sing every week on the uh, the, the radio. There, you hear those songs in the church, and and so there's all different kinds of culture out there, and um and 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 music, and then also in decor. I'm just trying to show you how things set set culture. When when um, for instance, when we when we built this church many moons ago, not just this last remodel, but I just wasn't really wanting a church that women don't throw anything at me, okay? Please, please, I really love you, okay? But we didn't want a church that just women felt comfortable in because of the decor. There's churches you walk into and it is flowers are us and super, super uh, fluffy, you know, it's fluffy. I don't know that ain't the right word for it, but you, I hope. and and we just didn't want. There's nothing wrong with flowers. We love flowers, but but we just didn't want it to be where it's just uh, everything about the church looked girly. Nor did we want it to be all guy. We just kind of wanted to go down the middle of the line there, and 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 so we tried to set a culture with how we decorated the church. Uh, and I know that stuff that maybe you think, well, I didn't even think about that, but we want a church where 
not only the women enjoy coming to, but men enjoy coming to also. And, and it goes both ways. And so um, organizational style. There's churches that have different types of organizational style. And um, I, it's hard, hard to fit me into another style that's not me. And, and, uh, and so it, it's all over the gamut on organizational styles. And, and I, we could really break that down because there's, there's a really lot of thought in that on the way people um, lead church, govern church, that kind of stuff. But the problem is, is there's not one size fits all. And so, you know, I think people like to just leave every church in America look just like, just like the church you go to or what your thought of a great church, even if it's not what you're sitting in, you think, man, I'm, I wish there was a lot of things here I'd like to fix, you know. But everybody doesn't have your mindset, and so, and that's okay. That's okay. There's a tension in that. We've talked about here and that, and, but there's not a one-size-fits-all with church culture. Culture. If there was, it would be a cult. Uh, if we, you know, just made everybody look, look act, and smell the same, and so what they're doing may not be fitting even uh, us, things that other churches may be doing, or may not fit us, or we couldn't even pull off or do, or um, we, we have quite frequently people want us to do the same thing that somebody else is doing, but it just didn't work for us. And, and, and so we've kind of set a culture here that we feel like is God's vision for us, for our local assembly. Does that kind of make sense? I'm not trying to hurt anybody or talk. I'm just, I just felt like talking about this tonight. So you'll see where I'm going in a second. So, um, so then the question is, if there's not one exact culture that, Everybody ought to be, you know, just the, the same in some of those areas that I just said. What, where should the local church's culture come from? And the word I want, I want to read to you a scripture is, uh, if you've been around here a little while, you've heard this scripture because <laughs> it's our candy stick. It's, our, it's where uh, one of our big taglines for this church is from. But it's John chapter 1, verse 14, and then I'm also going to read from 16 and 17. But this is where I think the local church's culture should come from. And let me read. And the word became flesh. In fact, I don't have a lot of scripture tonight, so would y'all help me read it? Would you read it with me, please? Here we go. You ready? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of and truth. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He said law came through Moses. Man established this thing here called law, but, but grace and truth, notice the scriptures, New Testament scriptures, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so I want to kind of zero in, and I may talk about this next week. I probably will. On the, you'll understand what I'm, or why I would talk about it probably two weekends uh, here in just a minute, but or two Wednesdays. But Jesus Christ gave us a church culture model that was in the New Testament to me off of this verse. Uh, the Word became flesh, and 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 in that this. We beheld the glory of the, of the begotten of the Father. What full of grace and truth. And I really feel 
based upon the word of the Lord that God is really in the New Testament through the power of who Jesus was, grace and truth became the mission. It became the mission of the church. It became who the church is and should be. If there's any culture that is in the church and the church is going to have culture whether you like it or not, that it should be established around two key ingredients and that is grace and truth. Uh, This is a a model that that the Lord dropped on me back in, oh man, many moons ago. We were not in this sanctuary at that time. We were back in the gym, and I'm not talking about Harvey gym. I'm talking about when we first got here, gym. And the Lord gave me a message called the ribbon of grace and truth. And I'll preach it again somewhere uh, maybe in the next year because I try to preach it every Ever few never number of years. I preached it twice now here, so I want to preach it again sometime. But it's kind of where we got this tagline off of that message called "Where Grace and Truth Meet." Parkway Life Church, where grace and truth meet. And I've not talked about that in a long time, so I want to just kind of chat chat at you a little bit because it's to me where we develop and establish all of our culture from. Off of again, it's coming from the scripture. We carry on with the ministry of Christ by by moving in his mission filled with grace and truth. And so I I believe, like I said, that every other church has a unique culture just, just like ours has a unique culture. But I also believe, stay with me now, that every church should have some things as a staple have some things that are a staple in its culture and the things that I believe that are a staple in the culture should be in a staple in every church is grace and truth, grace and truth. So I want to talk about in this message tonight, church culture, I want to talk about um, cultivating a, a culture of grace. And the reason I said I'll probably go two weeks on this is because I want to really, really, really talk about a culture of of grace, and probably next week talked about a culture of truth because they're both huge subjects. And so I want to kind of hit both of them. But the reason I, I really feel like, and, and I'm based again off the word of God, that grace and truth, and so that, that grace has got to be cultivated in the church. Can I get an amen on that? It not only has to be cultivated in your own personal life, but it has to be cultivated within the body. So we know you want grace. We know you need grace. But also establishing the culture of grace inside of the church. People are, there's, why, why is that? Why, why did Jesus' mission, was it full of grace and truth? Because grace it draws people. People are drawn to grace. You know why? People are messed up. People are jacked up. All of them, not not us, not us. But people are messed up and they're drawn to grace. They 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 people are drawn to grace and they're and they they've drawn to acceptance and a sense of being valued. They know they're messed up. They know they have struggle. They know they have sin. They know they have mistakes. But establishing and cultivating a culture of grace in the church. Is, an, is creating an atmosphere where grace is ever evident. Whenever Jesus shows up in a church, I believe that Jesus wants grace in the house so that people can feel acceptance. 
I'm not saying we do the best with this. I'm really not. But I'm saying that it has to be something I feel like we can, we can move, we can change, we can shake a lot of things, but we need to make sure that there is a culture of grace in this house. And unlike the religious culture of his day, Jesus refused, refused to condemn, refused to condemn. And his message to the woman caught in adultery, there's a great picture of it right there, was not you sorry, disgusting sinner. I'm gonna post a picture of you on Facebook and wear you out. That's not what it was. Am I right? This is Jesus speaking. And so look what Jesus does. He, does, he says this in John 8 11. I do not condemn you, now go and sin no more. Folks, I don't know if you hear it. I know you do. I shouldn't say that because it sounds condescending, but do you hear grace all up in that? I do not condemn you, now go and sin no more. But the people that brought her there were the, was the church. And somewhere in that church, they were not cultivating grace they were hung up in Moses' law. And Jesus says, I'm on a mission. And the mission is to establish a culture of grace and truth in the church. Because if the church is going to establish and grow and be uh, exponential growth across our world and change people's lives, it is going to have to love people. It is not going to be a church that condemns. And so they brought her to Jesus. They thought they had Jesus in a bad spot and it wasn't a bad spot at all. Jesus is like, this is why I came. I'm going to turn y'all upside down on this, but I'm going to tell you, this is why I'm here, to teach you this. His culture of grace and acceptance was magnetic and, and sinners started avoiding the Pharisees. They started hating that. And they started yearning to be with Jesus. Why? Because he loved them. There was grace in his package. And so we must have grace in our church culture. Do I feel like we have that? Yes, I do. I do. And so I'm not fussing or whining. I'm just talking. But three, there are three that I would say culture of grace extinguishers, things that will put out grace in a church, put out grace in a church. I'm going to talk about your personal lives in a minute, but I want to talk about as a church body. Three things that would just, man, extinguish grace in a church. Number one is condemnation. Condemnation is, is just rough. And, and so when, you, when, you say, when I say condemnation and uh, that we want to make sure that's not a part of our culture, what do I mean by that? Let me, let me say that this way. Let me say it in a question. How is failure handled in our church? It's Bible study night. Is that all right? Can I just talk? How is fa failure handled in our church? How is it when your daughter, your son, falls into sin or your husband, your wife falls into sin? How is it handled in your church? Are you understanding what I'm saying? That's where we're going to find out if there's condemnation in the culture or there's grace in the package. There's grace in the culture. And again, we don't always pass the test. We don't always win. We're human. We're flesh. But it's unattractive when churches come across as judgmental and holier than thou. Are y'all out there with me tonight? Are y'all scared of where I'm going? 
I'm going to be safe, okay? I'm going to be full of grace. But Jesus didn't play that. He's Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he's not playing a holier than thou. Um, he's, not, he's not this full of condemnation, but he is walking in grace. Um, another extinguisher is religiosity. It says, measure up, keep our rules, and we will accept you. A culture of grace is completely different feel. It says this, we love you as God loves you. Come discover something better. It's a totally different mindset. It sounds very small, but it establishes whether a church has grace or it is going to be just a church full of religiosity and condemnation. And, but I, I want to set in this church a church that we say, we love you as God loves you. If God accepts you, <laughs> who am I to say that I'm not? Are you with me? And so it's very easy here to, to say measure up, keep our rules, and we'll accept you. And we become the ones that draw all of the lines for people on whether they can get God or not. And that goes back to ribbon of grace and truth. If God marked it and gave it grace, who am I to say, I'm going to cut it down? And so I want, I want to love people. I want to love people. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to do that. And so the third thing is intolerance, intolerance. Christians should be kind and loving, not harsh and disapproving. We are to be a church. You know, I've heard it said that, we, that, that people, people have grown up in churches that it was a church of no. Everything was no. I want to be a church of yes. Does that mean, Pastor, you're just lascivious to sin? We're just following everything? No, that's, come on. We're going, to have, we're going to talk about truth. we got to have truth. But what I'm trying to say is this. Did you notice he said where? Grace and truth meet because you can't handle truth without grace. You've got to have grace first. If you say we're truth and grace, you can't handle truth first. You've got to have grace. Let me tell you a little statements like this. this I want you to hear grace. I want you to hear it. Uh, and I've said this to the church a number of times, but it was just such a powerful statement. One of my mentors in life was T.F. Tenney in godly anointed powerful man he has since passed away as an as an elder in the church just an incredible guy traveled the world wrote books amazing man i had him preach here a number of times and dana and i were with him at papado's eating um after he ate here and we we're just kind of like mouth open you know asking questions soaking it up because he was like a wealth of knowledge and dana and i once said Brother Tenney, what would you do different if you could start ministry all back over again? If you, could do, if you could do ministry again, what would you do different? Now watch what he said. He said, I spent all my ministry trying to get people to believe before they belonged. And if I could do it all over again, I would try to get people to belong before they believed. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get the redfish from falling out of my mouth. 
That doesn't sound like a big deal. It's crazy big. It's so deep that you're going to have to chew on it a little bit. It's massive. The reason you walked in this church and felt accepted as a new person is because that is, that's who we are. I turned around to TF10 and said, bro, I've got to tell you, I'm not trying to just be whatever. That's who Parkway is. That's who Parkway. We're doing what you said you would do over. That's what we're doing. And that is we're trying to get people to belong even before they believe. I'm just trying to give them a place. Why don't we have a discover? I mean, boy, there's people here, they're, they're just walking the door, and we're trying to get them into a discover class, and we're trying to get them serving. Why is that? Well, pastor, they may not line up with all of the truth and this and that, and they may have this and that. I just want them to belong. Because if I can get them to belong, I believe if you're the Christian that you need to be when they're serving with you, if you keep your mind out of negativity and you're not gossiping and you're serving the way a normal Christian should, and that is serving with, with excitement and enthusiasm and purpose, I'm going to tell you what, that person is going to feel like they belong in which is going to be the fact that they're going to know who your God is. Is that good stuff? But you have to serve with that mentality. You have to serve with that mentality. That's why uh, we, we, we push so hard here, uh, our dream team. And I think sometimes our dream team thinks uh, we can kind of get in the mind until it said it's a, it's a place to work. It's a place to work. It's not a place to work. It's a place for people to belong in. It's a place for people. People do not survive in churches or anywhere else. They don't survive unless they have a tribe. Don't do it. They got to have a tribe. And Jesus knew this. He created the body of the church, and he said, listen, I want you to be in this tribe called the church, and then I want you to bring people in. I want you to love them. I want you to accept them. I want you to, I want, I want to, I want you to make them your own. I don't want you to be the great gospel ship that nobody can climb into. I want it to be a place where the, the people of every creed, color, nation, mentality, background can crawl up in that ship, and you say, come on board. You're drowning. Get up in this thing. We want to see you have life. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. That's beautiful. That's, that's the kind of God we serve. And so he's not a God of intolerance. He's a God of love, and he's pulling in. And so I want to just, I'm giving this ad for our dream teams, but if you serve, man, this is your hour. People are down. People are struggling. People are this. People are running from even all kinds of This is their moment where you go, hey, I'm serving with such a high level of excellence that people want to be on my team. Why? They own your team so they they have a place to belong. They have a place that they feel like, hey, nobody in the world can even accept me. But when I walk in that place and I serve in that coffee shop and I serve here and I work outside and serve outside and everything I do, everything I touch, I feel acceptance and love. Amen? And so love, tolerance, not intolerance. And so I think religious is kind of known as being the house of intolerance. And, and I get it. I get it. I, I, granted, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a dummy. I know that truth is behind this, and it's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. But tonight I'm talking about grace. And ministry in a multicultural world must be saturated with unstoppable kindness. We are in a multicultural world like never before, like, like, like our great-grandparents and even our grandparents were not raised in. This thing is 
It's a mess. And the culture is everywhere in our world. And if we've ever needed the church to be a house, a house of love, a house of prayer, a house of acceptance to people that don't look, smell, act like you do, dear goodness, such were some of, of all of us. But we met Jesus, right? But we didn't meet Jesus and all of a sudden lose our mentality of what we used to be. And when that is a people that God has turned upside down, he's changed our life, he's given us hope, he's given us freedom, and there's a passion for me to want to tell the world that news. And so I want to have unstoppable. So we're, we're trying to reach all people here. I, um, I, I want to reach broken people. I want to reach broken families. Folks, they're just, just everybody's broken. Hell has broken people, and hell's having revival, and it's lives are coming into this church on a, every Sunday. Every single Sunday here is somebody's first Sunday. In-house and online, there's first-timers. Can I just tell you this? Don't ever get used to what you've got. Because people are walking in this house hungry, thirsty, excited about what the Lord is doing. And, um, and, and we're, we're trying to reach people. We're trying to reach people that are broken. We're trying to reach people that, that have been abused. We're trying to reach people that have been broken. We've been of all types, flavors, everything that's out there in our world. And we can name a gazillion thousand things. But when they walk in this house, when they walk in this house, I want to love them. I want to love them. Do you feel that way? I'm talking about culture. I'm talking about culture, the church culture. And we, um, we're, we're careful about creating a culture of grace here. And it has to work its way in how we treat people even when they, and they hurt. There's going to be people in this church that make mistakes. It might be you. You're like, oh, no, not me. Be easy, be easy, easy, easy right there. Are you with me? People make mistakes. They mess up. They do things that they shouldn't do and things that we don't agree with and things that truth will say it doesn't agree with. But I, I often say I would rather, I would rather people be in the house and not be what they needed to be than be at a bar stool somewhere because they've given up on church and God. I'd rather be in-house. I'd rather have a harlot in-house than be on the street. Is that all right? I would rather your, your kid that come up pregnant to be in the house feeling like she come up pregnant and she, hey, we all wish that wouldn't have happened, but came up, we want them in-house. If your son or your daughter falls into to homosexuality or lesbianism. We don't want that for them, but I want them in the house. Come on, I only got a couple of claps there. I'm talking about people falling into sin, people falling into issues. We know what's wrong and right, but we've got to have a culture of grace. What would Jesus do? What would he do? He would, would wear, do more than wear the little bracelet that says WWJD because he was Jesus. 
but he would actually do it. He would touch a leper. What was the leper of that day? A person no one would want to touch. Who in our society are those people that no one wants to touch because of their sin? That the church says, we are the people that in this church, we're going to make mistakes at it. We're not going to be perfect at it. I'm going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes because it goes against the culture, who we are, how we raise. I understand that. I'm not telling you to line up with their beliefs. I'm telling you to hang on to your truth, but do so in grace. That's all all I say. Love. Here are five ways that grace will immeasurably affect your, your life, your house, your personality, personally. Number one, grace will give you strength through adversity. So now I'm going to kind of zero in off of the church, but on to you, because if, it can, if grace can change you, it will change the church. If it can change you as a man or woman, it will change your family, it will change your household. So grace will give you strength through adversity. What am I saying? We all go through tough days, tough times, hard scenarios, and they don't seem to end in our lives. They're just there they drag on for weeks, months, even years. In fact, but, but listen, to what, listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says. My grace is what? Sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Jesus says those simple words to Paul when he asked about the hardships. He, uh, you know, these, these, these things are coming at Paul, and he's had beatings. He's had shipwrecks. He's had dangers. He's had attacks. He's been boiled in hot oil. He has had so much coming to him, and he's like, hey, God. <laughs> and Jesus responds back to him and says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. In other words, there's enough grace. There's enough grace to get you through your adversity. And so grace is precious, precious in your life. Precious in your life because it will get you through adversity. Number two, grace will give you a confident sense of total forgiveness. Hear me when I just said. Grace will give you a confident sense of total forgiveness. So on the cross, Jesus carried one hundred percent of my sin to the cross he didn't, he didn't carry 90 percent he carried 100 percent and grace allows you to have confidence in his total forgiveness I'm either altogether forgiven or I'm not forgiven at all there's no in between and I want to say this you and I are forgiven and you need to thank the good Lord that you are forgiven. Amen? Never let your halo get so haloed that you get to thinking that you have not been forgiven. You have been forgiven. He has washed you in the blood, sanctified you, saved you, touched you, changed you. And when I throw my hands in the air on Sunday morning, it's, oh, yes, I like the song, but that's not really what gets me. It just made me think how good God's been to me. And I praise and I worship and I magnify for his goodness and his grace in my life, and I have been forgiven, and you have been forgiven. And I want to have a culture of worship in this house, and I can't preach on worship enough to make you worship if you don't understand that the power of Jesus' blood has washed you. I can teach on worship all day long. In fact, I've taught on worship in the church and had people get offended at it. Bless their heart, yeah. But but what I'm trying to say is is this. 
they missed it. You worship because of the grace that Jesus gave to you. Amen? You worship because of the grace, and he has given you so much grace. Number three, grace is God's deposit of his special abilities in you. I don't know if you ever looked at grace this way. Grace is God's deposit of his special abilities in you. Some people call them talents. Some people call them gifts. It's something special you can do that others struggle to do. I don't know if you ever, again, thought about grace like this. You all do something that somebody else has struggled to do. Um, you, ever, you, ever, you ever watched, you ever, you ever gone to the, your kid was in ballet or something, and, and they say, oh, your daughter has such, such grace when she does ballet. In other words, this, your daughter has a unique ability, unique talent. She has an ease in which she does things that other people struggles doing. She has grace. And, and grace is God's deposit of his special abilities in you. And, and, and you say, well, I did not get ballerina deal. I did not, I did not get that gift. But you did have a gift. You, you have a big gift that some of you can speak in, in a public setting. Some of you, that is... If you had to do that, you would have to put last Sunday's message on replay constantly because it scares you to death. Am I telling the truth? I, I, if I even asked you to come step up here right now, you'd, you, you would just melt. There's nothing bad about that. And, and so maybe, maybe that you don't have the grace for that, but you have the grace for that. You have the grace to do it's special abilities and things that God gives. That's your grace. It's easy. It's things that come to you easy, relaxed, things that have normalcy to them about what others consider to be hard, uh, public singing. Some, some, are, some are good at it, and some would, you, again, cannot even imagine doing such as that. Uh, organization or administration. Some of them just, whoa, I mean, but others are just gifted in that. That's God's grace and giving them talents and abilities and, and, and find out what they are in your life. Find out what you're good at. Find out what that is. Find out, always, I love this statement, find out what God's fingerprint is on you. And, and when you notice, when people come up and go, man, I like how you do that or I like how you say that or when you do this or when you do that, man, you're good at that. That's a little bit of God's fingerprint of God's grace in your life. Don't discount that as just talents and gifts. Look at it as, man, God's put his fingerprint right here on my life. I have grace in that area. Now, our job as a church, and it literally is our job, it's the job of the ministry, is to find that grace in your life and try to use it for the glory of God. It is our job. It's our job. You want to know what my job is? It's not, my job is not to preach. My job is not to sing, thank the Lord. My job is to try to get you to become a minister. I don't mean to step behind a pulpit. I don't mean that. I want you to minister. I want you to share the gospel. My God's job is to give you the tools to do that. Sometimes I've done good in that. Sometimes I've not. But I want to tell you this. It's my job to find our job as a church staff is to look for your abilities. So what do we do? Right when you go through Discover, we go start going, oh, okay, let's see, let's see. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's look, for, let's look for their fingerprint. And it's hard to do in a real quick class, but we're trying to find that area. We're trying to find, and then, and then the longer you're in, you know, around family, around church, things start coming out of you, and things start, start producing in your life, and 
and, and, and this starts budding and that starts about and we're like, man, oh, you would be amazing at this and you would be amazing at that because we see God's fingerprint on your life and that's, that's the grace of God in giving you talents. Look for that in your life and use them for the kingdom. That's using the God's grace that is given to you to bless and strengthen and touch other people. Number four, grace will keep you from arrogance. Keep you from arrogance. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud but gives what? Grace to the humble. He, he, he can't, the proud, he just can't, he, man, just... I oppose that, but the humble, I'm like, I'm going to pour more grace on them. I'm going to pour more blessings on them. I'm going to pour more. I'm going to do all of that. There's one thing that puts you on God's list to be judged. There's a number of things, but this, this is a biggie, and it's called pride. Pride. If you don't believe that, which I know you do, but just ask Satan. <laughs> he was self-righteous. He was holier than thou. He was eat up with it. His nose was in the air. He was full of pride, and he thought he was greater than God. He wanted to be God. And he was full of pride and full of himself, and God said, I, I can't do it. I've got to judge that. And, and, and he kicks him out of heaven. And now that same devil is trying to put on you what got kicked out, what got him kicked out of heaven because he don't want to go down by himself. And so he tries to put pride on us, and, and grace, grace will keep you from arrogance. It'll help you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When I humble myself, when I apologize, that's not fun, is it? I've, as as a pastor, had to apologize. Man, I'm sorry, I messed up. I messed up. I'm human, flesh. I messed up. When I apologize, that's, that's, that, 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 God's like, dude, I can work with humility. I can do that, and I can, I can pour grace into that. And I want to know about you, but I need all the grace I can get. Amen? And so I don't want to shoo off grace through my pride, but I want my humility, I want your humility to cause you to be a funnel for the grace of God to be poured into your life. I think the church can have, as we, as we use humility, God pours in more grace and talents and gifts. I want our church to be full of humility. I want our church to be full of, of the grace and talents and blessings of God in it. But to do so, we want to have a culture of grace here, culture of grace, that everything people feel when they walk in is, you know, we get a statement quite often here, and you've, you're, some of you are the ones that said this, but they walked in and said, man, there's one big thing I really love about this church. And we said, what is it? What is it? We want to hear what it is. They said, it just feels so real just feels so real and you know what that means that, that's because from the, the parking lot and hopefully to the pulpit uh, that there is, there is I believe there is a blanket of the grace of God in this house because there's humility in this place there's no big eyes, there's no little U's. We're, we're just all at even ground around the cross we just want to do our best and be excellent in serving and giving our best to the Lord and because of it, he just pours more and more grace in our life. Number five, my last one. Grace will help you forgive. Why are we so prone to keep such impeccable records on everybody else's mistakes, on their slightest infractions in life? 
and yet sometimes keep really bad records on ourselves. I agree, you should keep really bad records on yourself because you should go to the Lord with and need the blood of Jesus to wash over you so you don't let this pass wear you out. But also we equally have to have grace for other people who make mistakes and it will help you forgive. Ask God for grace to forgive. You need grace to forgive. You can't do it by yourself. I often say on forgiveness, you can't do it by yourself. You need the grace of God to help you to be able to forgive. Forgiveness is not the easiest thing on the planet, but once you do it, there's a freedom that comes. Ask him to, maybe, maybe pray a prayer like this. Lord, would you give me just a flicker of the light of grace that shines on me? In other words, let me just see how much your grace has done for me. Show me a flicker of how many times grace had to cover me. And as he opens that up and shows that in your life, you're going to realize it's going to be really, really easy for you to forgive others around you. And so I will tell you this, and some people have distorted grace to be a blank check, to live an unaccountable life and still make it to heaven. I, I know all about that. And those people would call grace, they call it greasy grace. Grace is, and that's why a lot of churches, grace is not preached in. Because somehow they have really would rather stick in Moses' law and they would be an all-truth church. And that sounds so spiritual and it sounds so godly and it sounds so right and it sounds so holy. And there is a part of that that's so beautiful if it comes out of the right tree if you've been through freedom. But also, if it's not balanced with grace, it's one of the truth can be one of the most scary things in all the world if it's not balanced with grace. So I'm talking about a culture of grace. I really wish I was preaching this to the whole church on Sunday. Because I want this. I think there is we're a church that is unstoppable. A church that can grow to crazy uh, crazy um, uh, amount of touching people's lives. If 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 we make sure that grace stays in our culture, that we're a church where grace and truth meet. And, and tonight I'm, 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 I'm talking about grace. And so, that, but, but, but people have sold grace as being something that's weak, something that's weak. Um, and so, so, so many churches, and it's not just, just, if you were raised one way, you think, oh, yeah, it's just this denomination. No, it's religion in general. And, and there have been churches in every denomination, every creed, every creed that have become so religious that they no longer even want to talk about grace. Folks, just trust me when I tell you I know what I'm talking about right now. I, tre I preached to 12,000 people in a, in a stadium in Atlanta, biggest crowd I ever preached to, and I preached the message that I've told you about a few minutes ago called the ribbon of grace and truth. That night, that night at the service, a person leaned over to me and, and they were saying some stuff in the pulpit and they were talking about my message a little bit, the guy that was preaching. And the guy minister leaned over to me and he said, isn't it a shame that they have to ask for forgiveness for preacher, people preaching grace? What I mean is this. People that are all truth and no grace are scared to death of grace. 
And on the other side, people are all grace and no truth or scared to death of truth. That's why I believe, I don't think we're in a perfect church and I don't think we're the only church by no means, but I think the beauty of what you found at Parkway Life Church is a church where grace and truth meet. It's John, it's, 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 it's what Jesus, it's the mission of Jesus, it's the church culture. And so I want this church to be fully balanced in who we are. I want to be a church of grace and a church of truth. And so grace is not weak. Grace is not weak. Grace is not greasy grace. You can do anything you want to and get away with it. That's not what, if, you, if that's what people's mentality is, it's messed up. But grace, grace is not weak. Grace is tough. Grace, grace is tough. It, 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 grace, grace stiffens your faith in adversity. Look at the things that I've taught. It gives you power over condemnation. It gives you confidence in your giftings. It keeps you from falling. It helps you forgive others. And so what do we want to do? I want to ask God for more grace. I want this church to have more grace in it. And, and so, and so I, I want, would you stand with me tonight? I, I, I really... I took a chance on this message because I know when we talk about church culture, people can get kind of stirry, you know, kind of foggy and going, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know the church was all, I just, I just come to church. And I understand. But for you to really GPS where you're at and what you love about this house, you really need to know what it is you love so you can carry it with, carry it with you. And so GPS, find that. The reason you like what you feel when you walked in here, sure, it was the Spirit of the Lord. I don't discount that. And this church is, has it so strong. I hear it every weekend. People walk in and say, I've never felt the Spirit of the Lord as strong as I've felt it in this house. I hear it all the time in this house. And so people, that draws people, and the Spirit of the Lord does draw people and all that. But what keeps people here, I believe, is the love in the house with grace and truth. We've got we to gotta give grace. We've got to give grace. That flows in every conversation every conversation. In other words, when you're standing with someone and a new person and they don't agree, look, act, whatever, you're trying to get them to belong. You're passing on grace. You're, you're passing on grace. You don't see somebody that looks different than you and you walk her, oh, I'm going to walk on the other side of the, the deal. I'm like drawn to that. And you say, well, of course, you're a pastor. I know. But if it's, if it's any world in your, where in your giftings or talents, walk up to that person and get them to belong before they believe. Love them. Love them. Love them. Encourage them, strengthen them. Amen? Amen? So, I want you to do something right now. Kind of weird and crazy, okay, but that's who I am. I want you, when I do like this right here, when I do like this, it looks like a funnel, okay? Think of it like a funnel. I know my little bald head's right in the middle of it, but think of it like a funnel. This is what I want you to do. If you feel comfortable in doing this, if, would you please? I, I want you to do this here just a second, but I want it to be a funnel that you pray, God, I want you to funnel in the grace of God in my life. I want more grace. Would you do that? Would you just lift your hands with me? Heavenly Father, we love you more than words can say. God, I, I love these people. I love your people. I love the church of the living God. Lord, we're coming to you tonight in the name that is above every name. The name that's above every name. Your presence is here right now. I feel your presence here right now. God, in every life, every heart, God, as I pray over them, but as they pray over themselves, Lord, let the power and the grace of God be funneled into our life. God, give, give this church talents where we need talents to serve. God, right now we're having a difficult time filling our dream teams. God, you're raising up a whole new generation of people to serve in our dream team. God, pour in gifts, talents, abilities, God. 
I know COVID has stripped all of our dream teams and this and that, but God, I'm asking to fill our dream team up with people that want to serve, they're happy, excited about doing the work of God because they're full of the grace of God. Fill us up with your grace, Daddy. Fill us up with your grace, Daddy. Let every house be full of grace. Let our kids feel the grace coming from mom and dad. Let grace be to flow into in our homes and our lives and our church and the places where we serve and in our office buildings where we work. God, let grace flow from our lives. Pour it in, Lord. Pour it in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you love him tonight? Anybody want to say thank him for his grace? Thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Nothing like the grace of God, man. Uh, God richly bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. I hope you were blessed by tonight. Let's carry a culture of grace. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. Listen, Sunday, I'm preaching. Feeling mad. Feeling mad. God bless you. Show up, but don't be mad about it. Show up. God bless you.